Are we ready? Dr. Barnes, Dr. Uh, Dr. Tate? I'm good to go. How's everybody doing today? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, yes, Dr. Uh, Dr. Keisha, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, gentlemen? It's great to be in the company of greatness. <laughs> Thank you. You, you bring you bring it in yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so seeing how this is our this is our initial one, um, let's go ahead and just do a, like a round robin. Uh, a round robin introduction, um, and, and if you if you please, you know, just however you choose to, you know, introduce yourself, but please just include like how you met me. Right, I, I'll go first. My name is Dr. Andres Dwayne Risher. I am the owner of Math is Money, which is a curriculum, financial education curriculum designed for middle school and high school students. Also the owner of Mindful Energy Tees, which promotes uh, meditation, mindfulness, being present as well as well. And I'm the author of Lessons That I Learned From My Father and My Brother. Mm. I'm a former uh, public school educator and administrator who recently uh, retired. Um, and I decided to take things upon my, my own hands of creating a curriculum that would associate students mastering the basics of math and building wealth. Hey, uh oh. I met uh, Brother Mays in 2001. Um, I was uh, a school leader at a charter school in Phoenix, needed a, an additional teacher. And actually, for math, I believe it was. Uh, Mays, <laughs> yeah, right? yes, sir. Yeah. And so uh, I knew that he had a, a desire to teach and brought him onto the team. And, you know, for these last couple of years, um, we just continue to maintain a, friend, a friendship, a partnership to uh, grow as men and uh, be a part of the uh, community as leaders and try to make a difference with our young people, especially uh, young men of color. Yes, sir. Thank, thank, thank you for that, Dr. Richard. Um, and, and, and I'll add, a lot of times we talk about our, our, our recurring theme in all of this, the discussions I have, especially recently, is tribe in the sense of support and accountability. And that's one of the things I appreciate about Dr. Richard the, the most is like, not, not only support, cause you know, we all have like those people like, you know, you can do it like, you know, those, those type of cheerleaders, but, but we also need someone who's gonna hold us to a higher standard and let us know when, you know, hey man, that, that don't sound right. You, you might wanna review that. Uh, appreciate, appreciate that. Dr. Tay, go ahead, please. Awesome. Hey guys, again, I am Dr. Keisha Tate, affectionately known as Dr. K. I am uh, an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, but I'm most importantly a healer, a naturopathic medical doctor. And I am a contributing author of three uh, number one best-selling Amazon books, um, an affinity for Black women's health, uh, Black women's healthopedia we've written, um, I wrote rather with a couple of colleagues. Uh, Black Family Healthopedia, and then uh, Becoming 50-something. In our community, our health suffers greatly, uh, both Black men and Black and Brown women. And so what I noticed through my own uh, personal health journey and my family and friends surrounding me, that there is a, a disparity 
a great disparity. We saw that through COVID even more so, but that existed a long, long time ago. And so I just, you know, I, I like to say I've been in the streets, uh, in the community, really trying to make an impact. Uh, we're dying from just diseases that we should not be dying from. It's because of the lack of knowledge. Uh, it's because we're not balancing it all. We're trying to do everything. We're trying to get the bag and do a number of things without balancing it all. And so I just been charged uh, over the last couple of years to not only get my bag right, my health right, uh, but to be an example of that it, it's possible for it to be done. And so again, I take great pleasure, pleasure in being in, in the midst of you guys today to learn as well and just to share what we have because we're given what we're given, the knowledge, the experiences, and all of it so that we can share. This is, doesn't belong to us. And so thank you, Sam, for just creating a platform like this, as you always do, to bring great minds together so that we can, uh, again, learn from each other. And I believe I met you on the streets of Facebook. <laughs> I believe I was having a book signing for my first book or something. And you so graciously wanted to interview me and we've been connected ever since I've had an opportunity to come uh, to your event. Mm, is it Tuesday night you used to do with all the social workers downtown Phoenix? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I had an opportunity to do that. And so just been connected. And I just appreciate who you are and what you do and that you have a passion and a heart to serve. And uh, just so many synergies there. And so I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank, thank, thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Um, and one of the things I appreciate you, uh, Dr. Dr. K, Dr. K, um, I, when I interviewed you the couple couple times, um, I, I would try to like hit you with some questions and, and like you know give you a little a little pushback on some stuff. And, and your your responses were always like, okay, you know from from the heart, like this is who I am, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, this is my background, like transparently, and this is you know how I've arrived at where I'm at, and this is why I know what I'm talking about, you know, in a sense. <laughs> uh, I definitely appreciate that kind of coming from coming from a black woman. Awesome, thank you. All right, last but not least, Dr. George Barnes. I believe that's called putting you in your place without putting you in your place, brother. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the soft, gentle whisper of, you know, boy, be quiet. <laughs> um, I am uh, Dr. George Barnes. I am the superintendent of Balt School District, which is on the east side of Phoenix. A uh, small little nugget uh, that is often forgotten because we are uh, a small school uh, district with about five schools, uh, but we're mighty. We're passionate. Um, recently uh, jumped on that opportunity as a superintendent February 1st. Uh, been in education for a little bit over 20 years now, um, you know, and I'm just uh, motivated and energetic in the game. Uh, I met Brother uh, Mays through hustling, trying to find some folks, uh, still trying to get Brother Mays to be a teacher for me. Uh, and so I keep whispering to him. So maybe hopefully one day, you know, I'm a Trojan horse, that boy. And uh, they'll say, you know what? I've been really thinking about being a teacher. I, I don't know what it is, but something's calling me that I need to go back to middle school and elementary school and help those kids out. Uh, but my main objective is to make sure that my 2,500-ish uh, babies uh, get the opportunity to uh, excel and be great. So I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Right on. Thank, thank you for that, doc, uh, Dr. Barnes. Um, and, you know, it, when, as I told you the, the day we interviewed, what I appreciate is what I appreciate about you is that that energy. You come in right away, like no hesitation, no pretense, like 
yo, you know, I, I don't know if it's the beard, you know what I'm saying? But you was like, hey, let's get it. <laughs> I'm always for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate. And, and to meet other individuals, um, you know, uh, of color, uh, brothers and sisters of all kind, and, and just human beings in general trying to advance and move forward. You know, there's so much negativity in this world. Uh, so when you get an uh, opportunity to, to galvanize and be around good folk and share that wisdom, um, I'm excited, I'm passionate, and I'm all for it. So this is a big time for me. So thank you so much, everybody, for allowing me to be here. Right on. Appreciate you guys. Um, again, this is the, the, the doctor visit show. Um, scholars discussing you know, math, uh, finance, uh, mindfulness, uh, meditation, uh, mental wellness, um, all, all of the things that we all need, you know, especially in our, uh, our community, you know, black and brown folk. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into it. And I'll, I'll uh, look to you, uh, Dr. Richard, for the for the, the initial response. So you know, with uh, we were we're past uh, April fifteenth, right, or April eighteenth this year. Hopefully, everybody's got their taxes done. Maybe we're already getting some some tax refunds. You know, we'll, we'll see what that what that looks like. Um, but so, how do we make the most? Um, and I see your backdrop, Dr. Richard. Math is money. That's your program. How do we make the most of our tax refunds um, in general? Um, but then especially um, as entrepreneurs, uh, people that are self-employed, um, how do we manage, you know, small business like that when it comes uh, to tax season? Um, and, and then lastly, I know it's a, you know, multi-dimensional question. Lastly, how do we teach our youth about taxes? Well, I think it goes beyond just, you know, teaching our youth taxes. I think it's more about just the foundation of building wealth you know, and what does that incorporate? Um, one of the things I, I teach the students is if you learn the game, you can play the game. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it ultimately comes down to, you know, we use this word very broadly. You know, you got to get an education. But I think a lot of us, we associate education just with what's learned in the school system, in the classroom. But we have to understand education is very broad. So whether it's life, whether it's religion, spirituality, health, as Dr. K talked about, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm also passionate about is mindfulness and, and, you know, learning Tantra, you know, the uh, learning about self-love. But with that, um, you know, I want to, I would want to just push away from just saying tax season. At the end of the day, it's, do, do I have enough knowledge to know what are the steps that I can take? Um, I'm preaching to my students. And one of the things I just, I've just added is every student will now have a wealth building plan. So whether you choose to go to high school, I mean, whether you choose to graduate from high school and you just get a job at Amazon, $15 an hour, whether you go to college, whether you go to the military, or whether you choose to start a business, you're going to have a 20 to 30 year plan that says, this is how I can build wealth. And so if a part of that plan is every year that I get my tax refund, this is what I'm going to do with this money. But I think the most important thing is that we have to get this information to our babies before they graduate from high school. Of uh, students and people, is I, I'm one of them. You know, it wasn't until we were 40 years old to realize, yo, I'm living for retirement. And that's a scary thing. And that's the image that we saw from our parents, our grandparents, you know, in multiple generations, you're working the same job. And I think that with our generation, we begin to see that it's, there's more things out there for me to explore. But how do I explore them if I don't have the money and I'm steady in debt? So what I want to, preach and what I want to encourage is we have to do more outside of just giving them the this common core standards because the common core standards are not teaching our students how to build wealth 
And so uh, when I left administration and went back to the classroom, that passion that I had was, I wanna connect with the students. But what I also found was because of the standards and the expectations, every, the creativity that I had brought many years before uh, becoming an administrator was taken away. You know, we all, through PLCs, we all had to teach the same lesson. We had to teach the same way. And I also found that as I'm in the process of trying to grow wealth, I'm realizing I have knowledge that can help these students who may not be, let's say, math geniuses, but they still have the ability to build wealth. And so we've got to break that notion of baby, go to school, uh, graduate from high school, go to college, get a good job. And I like I tell kids, there's no such thing as a good job when you have to work for somebody else. And so how do we create multiple streams of passive income? Because a nine to five will serve its purpose. But what happens when you no longer want to do that job and it no longer fulfills you? Well, if you're not happy, how does that impact your life? How does that impact your health, your mindset? Now, you, now we become overweight, we get into drugs, we start robbing and we're stealing, but there's many things that we can do before we get to, before young people get to that point. So that's why, you know, with math is money. If you can do math, you can put money in your pocket. And that's what I teach the students in terms of all you have to do is master the basic addition, subtraction, multiplication, division skills. Right on, right on. Good, good. Great, great intro. Like, like I said, when I'm watching the movie, dope intro. Um, <laughs> And, and I know uh, the doc of health and wealth definitely wants to chime in. But Dr. Barnes, before we get to her, um, I, I see your brain working as Dr. Risher is talking about some of the uh, challenges in the school curriculum in the school system when we're talking about what is lacking um, with financial education. Um, can you, you want to what do you have to say about that? I mean, it's 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 sad, but true. Um, I think Florida. As, as, as much as uh, DeSantis gets a bad rap uh, for decisions that he's making, and, and you know, he's earned it. Um, recently, he, he uh, established a financial literacy course uh, for the state. Um, and, you know, depending on what high school you go to, you might get a financial literacy course um, or not. But even in, in some of those financial literacy courses, to, to you know, uh, to the Brothers Fine Point, they teach you how to, like, um, you know, navigate your checkbook. And, and maybe they teach you how to uh, know the difference between mortgage rates and, and maybe they talk about buying a car, uh, but they don't really talk about passive income, right? Um, and it wasn't really until I would say probably this generation where that became a really hot topic. Um, and, and, and I don't know about the experiences here, but when I was growing up, grown folks told me to stay out of grown folks business. So I, I didn't have a mom and dad to say, let me sit you down, you know, Georgie, and show you you know, how to make money from your money. And quite frankly, my family wasn't making money from their money. They was living check to check. So um, the idea of, of being uh, intelligent about wealth uh, is, is not something that is done in your formal schooling, right? To the brother's point, education is education. Schooling is schooling. What most of our kids go through is schooling. They don't necessarily go through education. They go through, uh, and, and schooling was, was developed uh, to, uh, inculcate culture into individuals to make good Americans and 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 some would argue uh, you know to make the certain kind of Americans uh, individuals that don't necessarily think and who are liberated enough to make decisions on their own uh, meanwhile there's individuals that go to private schools and Montessori schools that are designed for free thinking well those are your one percenter schools right those are the, the schools those kids go to and, and they continue so it becomes a vicious cycle so it's important now that, that you know, 
we understand that uh, curriculum it has nothing to do with the principal. Curriculum has nothing to do with the superintendent to some degree. Curriculum is designed at the court at, at, at the uh, legislative level. Um, that is sometimes influenced by book companies, um, and so it gets real muddy. And best case scenario right now, I love to hear uh, individuals, um, you know, uh, like 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 Brother Richard there, Richard there that that talks about how we can somehow have a hidden curriculum that becomes an overt curriculum of our students, of all students having access to what a certain percentage of our society has always had access to, and that's understanding the game, right? Um, right now, sadly enough, I think more of that will happen in, at best, clubs after school, clubs at lunch, right? Um, maybe even clubs at church or at your religious organizations, uh, nonprofits that have these opportunities where kids get to come and learn, and really, uncles and aunts and mothers and grandmas and everybody else because again uh, folks that look like us really didn't have the chance and i would dare say depending on on the state still don't have the chance to understand how to perpetuate wealth um, generationally like some uh you know the dominant culture has always had since the inception of, of america right on right on thank, thank you uh thank you both actually dr k what you got for us I'm literally sitting on the edge of my seat. Oh my gosh, I could be a part of this conversation all day, every day. It is at the core of who I am. I, and it's quite interesting. I was in wealth business and saw how health impacted that when I lost everything. I filed a $10 million BK and my health suddenly start tanking. And so the correlation between the two are parallel. You really cannot separate them. And so I love how Dr. Andres mentioned that because most people put them in two different boxes when they really belong together. If you are going to a job every day, it sucks. You don't like it. You're going, your health is going to be impacted by that. If you are living in an environment where you are not taught certain things, eventually you're taught the hustle and bustle of working a place you don't like or doing things you don't want or not having enough. Uh, Robin Peter to pay Paul, I think they say, you know, your, your health is going to be impacted by that. So this conversation is so, so needed. And when he said, you know, schooling is just that it's schooling, it's not education. And so that is one of the things that I've partnered with a company to teach financial literacy as well, starting at the core level, because, you know, sometimes our parents, they just don't know. They love us. They want us to live in the best areas, to have the best gear. But in terms of putting in us the best education and knowledge for us to build wealth or the best knowledge for us to build health, that is missing. That is the missing link. You know, when I talk to parents about, you know, sub giving supplements to their kids or providing them with healthy, clean food, you know, anything that comes out of a package. Uh, it's not food, really, it's process. And so how do we, you know, give them the right things in order for them to build health or wealth? And so uh, it's quite interesting to me that oftentimes we can get student loans of $100,000, but we can't get a, a small business loan of $100,000. So the system is really not set up for us to win. We have to have people birthed into the world like the Dr. Uh, George, like the Dr. Andres, in order to teach our kids this. And so I'm here for it all and will love to you know, just partner with you guys to do even more so uh, to expand our reach, really, because this is 
the start of, I think of something great. So thank you again, Sam, for this opportunity just to join forces. Right on, my pleasure. You know, it, you know, it's, it's what I do. Um, <laughs> Sam, I, I'm going to add something because yes, I, appreciate, I appreciate Dr. Barnes, you know, stating that, you know, the curriculum isn't uh, created by the principal or the superintendent. And I think that that's where I'm finding myself trying to find, you know, what is that hole that I can enter in to convince the principal or superintendent to say, you know what, within our system, we have to create this opportunity because we have students like I see this all the time. And I'm going to tell you something funny. And, and Dr. George, I'm pretty sure you are aware. It had been a while. It had been over 15 years when I went back into the classroom and I go back into the classroom. And one of the exercises as a sixth grade teacher that I would uh, do at the beginning is give kids a blank multiplication table. And I'm sitting here looking at it as it's 20 years later, 15, 20 years later, and kids still don't know their multiplication facts. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, one of my routines is I go to a student, I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay you $8 for a nine. I'm paying you for a nine hour job. And I'll kind of mess around. I give them a post-it note and I say, okay, here's your check for $56. And I just wait to see how many other kids respond, but I want that kid to respond. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, unfortunately, a kid is not responding. They just take the check. And I'm like, okay, now wait about five, 10 minutes, minutes. And then I'll just see another kid that's just like, like Dr. Richard, Dr. Richard. I'm like, well, what's up? He was like, you didn't pay him right. What do you mean? He took the check. If the man took the check, I paid him right. <laughs> and, you know, again, math is money. If you can do math, you put money in your pocket. But if you don't master those fundamental basic steps, mm -hmm. man, you are limiting yourself with you know, putting money in your pocket. So just with those basics, you know, yes, you know, the point I'm trying to get at is how do I position myself to say like, this is valuable. I'm, I'm working at one school in North Carolina. And when I asked the students, like, what was the, what's the curriculum for finance? What well, it was teaching them how to be an employee. It was nothing about budgeting, nothing about stocks, nothing about, assets and liabilities it was teaching them how to be an employee and you're like wow and kids are thinking like i'm taking a finance class <laughs> no you're not yeah, yeah and yeah. I, don't, I don't want to get in too much trouble um <laughs> as i always you know tell brother Mays, like hey you know this stuff is recorded and i want to keep my job um and and, and i don't i don't have a lot of um passive income my brother coming in but um you know what what what's interesting to me in education is this, is that, um, wow, you have to recall that we exist in a, in a capitalistic society, right? So as long as we have this, this capitalism that pushes us, that's the American dream, right? We love it, it's great. There has to be consumers, right? And so one of the, I, I, I believe, my truths is that um, schooling is a mass producers of, of consumers. Um, and if you are in the right school situation that gives you the opportunity, you are taught in an analytical way. You are taught in ways that are um, outside of the box where you start realizing that um, there's other ways to make money, but then you have to become a producer. Um, and, and I'm not talking about like a music producer, right? Like some, some kids are like, oh, I want to be a producer when I grow up. And it's crazy because as they're saying that, they're still going to be owned by a record company. Um, and so I, you know, what amazes me um, is that, you know, multiplication facts, just like that, right? So let's just take that. So as a kid growing up, there's a point where you just say, I can't do math, right? 
But then, to your point, you give a kid a check, right, and they just take it. However, if you take that same kid and they start working with money in other ways on the street, if they start working with other, and I won't get too specific in that, that, that side hustle they got, that, that urban side hustle, but if they're starting to work with certain chemical compounds in the kitchen, they become really good at math. They become really good at weighing things. They can tell you, I'm, I remember growing up, and maybe you guys had the same experience, but some of the worst kids in math, I saw them on the street and they was like, this, this, this is an ounce. This, this, this is a QP. This, 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 you do this, you do this. No, you owe me money for this, 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 and this, and they can break it down in a second. So it's about motivation, right? And so um, I have found that more often than not, if we tell our kids, hey, you can do math, and this is why it's important. And I know, you know, uh, Brother Richard, you, you probably, I, I would like to say, you probably have the silver bullet talking about money to some degree. Um, once you help kids understand how important it is to know some level of math, they become more engaged and it becomes more important to them. Um, one, one, one club that I saw that was really powerful at one high school was the DECA club. Um, and it was about, you know, uh, creating your own business, having your own small business. And every kid in the club had to sell something at the end of the year, uh, whether it was a shirt or a hat or whatever goofy thing it was, but it was fun. And the sad thing is, even though the school was high percentage uh, individuals of color, all I saw was white kids. And I'll double down. All I saw was white males, you know, learning how to be an entrepreneur. And it was a great time. They were having so much fun. But again, all I saw was white males out there learning how to be an entrepreneur. So we may not have the time we do inside the school system um, or during the class period. We do. Um, but we do have time for clubs. So I would say that like something that I would probably consider is how can how can I how can I sneak you in in a hidden curriculum sense? Uh, a lunchtime, a mentorship after school, uh, and just find a bus driver that can drive these kids home as an activity so they learn how to do that thing. Um, and if they're doing that, that's pretty powerful. I know here in Phoenix, they got something called J.A. BizTown. I know you guys might be familiar with it. Uh, but again, how many, how many schools of color know about J.A. BizTown, right? How many, how many schools of color know about this opportunity to go and have a whole day, you know, being a mayor or being a business owner and then having a debate at the end of the day? Not many of us are there. So just opportunities, but yeah. it can happen. And you know, it's funny you say that because I would say a couple of months ago, I realized who I am in the sense of I'm now I am that man or I'm the program that when I was in when I was in school, it was junior achievement. It was the dare teacher, right? And so you're absolutely right. People can tell me that there's no time, but there is time. You got to make time. You have to want your students to want this. You know, and when you're talking about like that dope dealer, I, I break down a scenario with the kids. Like if you factor in how much money the corner boy works, it's less than minimum wage because of the time that they have to put in. So it's bringing those facts to say you can go from being a dope boy to working at Amazon to having a degree to being your own boss. And now you're an investor because if, you know, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he has the matrix, you know, the four different uh, cycles of of leadership or an entrepreneur employee. And again, it's just, we have to teach them the game so that they can play it. Yeah. Right on, Rick. Good, good, good stuff, good stuff. And I'm glad you, you brought up that last part, that last point, Dr. Barnes, because I think I asked you about it before, we've talked about it before. When you're in a system um, that's representative of the dominant culture, how do you excel individually in that system, within that system, but then also how do you create space 
for others to kind of like, just like you just mentioned, navigate within that system and kind of like give them keys, give them gems so that they can come out of it more whole, right? Thank, thank good, good, again, good, good stuff on that first one. Let's move on. Uh, the next topic I wanted to uh, hear from you guys on the, this intro show is uh, mentoring. Um, all of you guys have the doctorate level uh, education, right? School, college, doctorate programs create challenges. Um, a, the question, quick part A, um, how did your mentors help you cross that finish line? Go ahead, Dr. K, Dr. K, start, start us off. Uh, that's great. That's a great question. Mentorship is critical to me. I think at all levels, you should always have somebody that you're looking up to, aspiring up to. Um, if you don't, for me, uh, I probably would still be at the bottom, you know? Uh, so my mentors helped me cross the finish line. Um, as I was accepted into medical school at the age, the tender age, I like to call it a 44 years old, I also uh, start going through a divorce, you know? Um, and so it was one of the hardest times for me. Uh, medical school is a five-year process. So the first year solid, like I wanted to quit every day. Uh, I, you know, it was just a, an, an emotional turmoil for me, but my mentors talked to me every single morning, all the way to school was in my ear. That's fine. Cry all the way there. Do you have your water? Do you have your, you know, your face rack? Wipe your face. Walk yourself through the door. I mean, literally for one solid year. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, if I didn't have mentors, I would not have crossed the finish line, period. Right on. I, I, again, thank you for sharing. I remember our initial interview, uh, was that like, Three, three, three or more years ago now, I remember your story and hearing it like, man, since it's, it's been on a journey. Um, For sure. <laughs> yeah, and before I move on to the fellas, so transition that, how did, what did you learn from that experience, from that relationship with those mentors that you now share and incorporate when you're mentoring others? No, that's, I love your questions. Uh, I, I say to them, and what I've learned rather is, uh, to be present, uh, to be consistent and to be mindful, you know, just mindful of what's happening, mindful of what you're feeling and mindful to have somebody else in your circle. You know, mm. we can't get through. I don't feel like we can accomplish much when we do it alone. And there's some famous quote. I can't remember it right now, but you know, if you want to go, I don't know, five steps or something, go alone. But if you want to go, I don't know, to the top of the building, I'm sure you guys know what I'm trying to say, you know, take somebody with you. So you could do much more when you partner or are in the presence of somebody who's been there and can walk, hold your hand through the process. So I just have learned again, to be present, uh, to be mindful, um, uh, just to have an accountability partner, um, and, and to give of yourself, realizing that everything that we're going through, these are just moments, collective moments. Nothing lasts forever. Whether they're good times, bad times, these are just seasons and they will pass. But sometimes if you don't have a mentor in your ear advising you of that, you think this is the end. Like, this is it. So having a mentor really um, is it's life for me. It's lifelines for me, for sure. Right on. 
Um, Dr. Burns, I was thinking, um, I want to call on you next. As I, as I was listening to Dr. K, I, I was going through my own experiences being mentored and then also trying to mentor others. So I, I want to I twist up the question a little bit for you. Um, how do you kind of outside of the box mentor, right? Uh, and I'm remembering our, our interview um, uh, just recently. How do you kind of make yourself available when someone's not specifically asking, hey, I want a mentor, mm -hmm. right? Because there's definitely those programs, especially in school, right, where they set you up, right? Connect with this person to get mentoring for this, right? Do this internship and connect with this person, right? But how do you do it, especially like we're talking about the babies, right? The kids, how do you position yourself as a mentor when it's not necessarily being overtly asked for? Hmm. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, I think one of the things that, that um, you know, I, I learned relatively early on is, is that uh, individuals are always watching you, right? And uh, being, being somebody who, who uh, worked in the church, um, I knew you could talk the talk but more impactfully, you could walk the walk. And uh, one, of the, one of the coolest things that happened to me when I was a younger teacher is, you know, one of my students kind of ran up on me and they were like, hey, Barnes, Barnes, Barnes. And I was like, what's up, what's up? They was like, you go to church? And I was like, that's weird. Um, sure, yeah, I mean, why? And they was like, cause you, you seem like, you know, you kind of are of this religion. Like, you know, this thing, you do this thing. And I was like, how do you know? And they was like, well, you just kind of carry yourself like you know God. And I was just like, whoa, and this is a kid that's like 12. And, and that really helped me realize that no matter what I'm saying, what I'm doing is being observed. Uh, and so always uh, I try to remain cognizant of my actions, right? Like I could talk a good talk. I could say, hey, you know, I'm always going to be there for you and then spend my next 40 hours um, in my office doing that work, like working so hard, right? But I never come to the track meet, right? But I never go to the basketball game. Right. I'm not there when you're doing right as much as you're doing wrong. Like I show up for the suspension hearings, but I can't show up when you're getting that A, right? And so again, what I try to do is just be present. And that's, that's, that's so important to 2,500 students, right? Um, I wish I knew all, the hundred, all, all their names. I'm working on it. Maybe I'll probably, I probably won't. But the fact that a, a kid runs up to me and feels like I know who they are, <laughs> that's important because they believe that I, I see them, right? And so what's important is that as teachers, as educators, as, as would-be mentors, because whether we want to be a mentor or not, Charles Barkley had it all wrong, right? I'm not a role model. Yeah, you are. If somebody's looking at you, you're modeling some role. You can't run from Ooh. that. You know what I'm saying? You can't run from that regardless, right? So when I am out there, when I'm talking to the teachers, when I'm talking to the janitors, the bus drivers, like you, you can't just yell at a kid, right? If you, if you as an individual, and I'll take it this far, as a man, if, if a kid sees you disrespect a woman, you're modeling for somebody's, a young girl or a young boy, that's okay and that's acceptable. No, it's not, right? If I am an individual who walks through the hallway with my head up high and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. The fact that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dr. K and, and Dr. Dr. Richard, both of them, some student is going to look at them and say, I can be that when I grow up. Right. The only reason why there's a Dr. Barnes is because there was a Michael Wynn. 
Michael Wynn was my mentor when I was in high school and I looked at him and I said, I want to be that. And I'm telling you, I patterned my life just, and I never told him that. He didn't even try. I just said, I want to be you when I grow up, right? And so I think the point, the point I'm saying is that we just have to be present. Yeah. And then when you, when you have a school system like mine, that's 95% of color, and it's a high percentage of, you know, white female, as far as instructors are concerned, we've heard it for the last five years. Like people are saying, hey, you know, we need black and brown people to come into the, 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 the more dominant culture that has usually been the dominant culture in school systems are now saying, please come into our schools because we need help. Right. We need you to be a role model, right? Because we know that the presence really matters. Yeah, yeah that, that's so powerful. Um, and again, and again it, it, res it resonates because oftentimes, you know, there, we do both, right? We, there's that official mentor, you know, um, but then there's people, I'm thinking of my own experience, like there's people that I'm like, man, I really like the way they do what they do. So they, they might not even know me, you know, period, but I'm a, they gonna be my mentor in, in, in one, in, in, in some, in some shape or form. Right. And the same thing, we have to, uh, be mindful, right, of how we carry ourselves, whether somebody is always watching. Dr. Richard, you you wrote a book um, that centers your experience, uh, being y'all your 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 uh, virtual background of uh, blurted out. It blurted out, okay. You're um, but I, I want to hear um, why that was so important for you from from the experience level that you got being mentored by your father and your brother that you know, made you want to compile that into a book and then, you know, moving forward, how you utilize that in your current current day? You know, first of all, I have a story. So, you know, I'm an inner city kid from Dallas-Fort Worth. And, you know, I grew up in a community that was was all Black. The, co the corner stores, you know, were still owned by Black people. All the schools in the neighborhood were named after Black people. You know, I, I'm a graduate of Dump Paul Lawrence Dunbar, high school, the same high school that my my dad, all of his brothers uh, attended. So, you know, there, there's that pride that I had. And I grew up in a community where, you know, let's face it, it, it was a lot of disruptive kids, disruptive learning. But I knew that there was something inside of me that was, I was just inspired from an early age that I wanted to be a teacher. And, you know, I grew up having, you know, a tough dad that was on a mission my son is going to go to college. And, you know, I was that kid that was 19, 20 and had already had a kid that just didn't get it. You know, why am I here? I had the skills and the intelligence to, to succeed, but I, it still didn't make sense. And so when I got to college, I started tapping into individuals, men that looked like me. And there was this one gentleman that was actually from Fort Worth. He was from the south side of Fort Worth. And I'm from a, a neighborhood called Stop Six. And I latched on to him. And I always enjoyed like being a role model or, you know, being that type of young guy that could take on, you know, kids in third, fourth grade and teach them things and be an example. And as I was writing my book after I finished my, my doctorate degree, I said, you know what, I want to pay tribute to my dad and my brother. And this was 2019. And my brother had passed away. My older brother had passed away um, in 2017. And, you know, it was just a way to pay tribute to them. And the book is called Lessons that I Learned from My Father and My Brother. And up until the last window, 
the last hour, I did not have a subtitle for the book. And then it just hit me. It was like, I'm passionate about mentoring because of, you know, the relationship with my dad and my brother. They were my first mentors. And they were mentors because not only was my dad a disciplinarian, but he was a teacher. You know, whether it was sex, drugs, um, you know, making money, he was always teaching. And when I looked at my, when I look back at my brother, whether it was confidence, being patient with some of the lessons, yeah, he was big brother and I looked up to him, but he was always teaching, always coaching. And so when I was on my journey as a young man, young man, I wanted to give back in the same way that I was inspired by my sixth grade teacher, who was an, uh, an amazing teacher, Miss Carter. And I was fortunate to go back and tell her thank you about 10, 11 years later in my, uh, from, you know, being a graduate, no, about 15 years later, I was able to find her and say, hey, I, I thank you, me, as well as, as well as my best friend. And so it was those, those early relationships with my dad and my brother that just, because I believe that this is, this is my purpose. I'm walking in my purpose, like mentoring, teaching, you know, these are my sparks. And so based upon my upbringing and how God has laid out my life plan, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to. This is my mission. And so I'm just on a mission to educate, inform, inspire, motivate young, young men, you know, young men of color to be greater than, be greater than great. The dream big. I'm a dreamer, but I realize I look back at my life. I didn't dream big enough. I mean, I should have been shooting for the stars. You know, I should have been shooting for that tower, Dr. K. But, you know, life is not over. I was watching a video not too long ago with uh, Steve Harvey. He talked about Steve Harvey, 65. And he was like, when I'm 104, this is my dream. And I'm like, that's powerful. Even though I'm 49 next week, I should still be dreaming big. And I am. And I'm going to manifest these things. And so I want to take my own personal experience and use it to enlighten young people. Ooh. You guys, you guys, uh, I'm in a blessed, uh, a blessed position to know you guys and have heard your stories, heard some things that you share, and it, it, just, it just enriches and fills me. And again, I appreciate you guys furthering that, um, not only in your own roles, in your own work, but joining me on this platform so as many people can, you know, get this information, get this knowledge, this awareness, this insight, this inspiration um, as possible. And a, and a great segue. Um, as we got 15 minutes left, let, let's talk about uh, mindfulness. Um, and Dr. Rich, you, you talked, and, and again, I'm a twisted, um, you talked about um, purpose and calling. Um, can, you, can, you, can you take that a step further? I remember we, we participated on a, on a panel, shoot, like two years ago, talking about um, how when you avoid your calling, it can kind of disrupt you know, your wellness, right? So Dr. Rich, can you talk a little bit about how doing the work that you feel is what you're called to do, walking in your purpose, how that benefits you and, and lets you be your, your best, your whole self. It just gives you that ability to embrace the light that's being shined upon you. When you're, when you're fighting it or you're going in a different direction, you just take on different stressors that have nothing to do with what you need to do, right? I mean, if I, let's say maybe about 10 years ago, it wasn't in my cards to become a real estate agent, but I could try to force it. Um, there was a, there's a couple of other op uh, entrepreneurial opportunities that I was looking at and they just didn't pan out. 
you know, but when I put my time and attention on, okay, this is what makes me happy. This is what gives me the most pleasure. That's where I need to focus. Cause otherwise, you know, a couple of years ago, I was looking into uh, truck dispatching. I was doing it for the dollar. I'm not doing it because, you know, that's what makes me happy. And I know the impact I can make on young people. And, but at the same time, you know, again, you know, I started with the t-shirt business and I realized, okay, it's cool, but it's not going to fulfill me. But when I really started pushing my book and which, you know, I was able to expand it to math is money. This is what drives me. And I'm finding myself, you know, just like I was in the classroom. How can I tweak this lesson? How can I tweak this lesson? What type of engaging activities can I incorporate with, you know, using Kahoot? I'm working with this uh, young lady, a high school student in North Carolina, and I give her uh, jobs where she's creating uh, flashcards for me. She's creating business cards for me. She's creating these activities. And everything that I was doing in the classroom for 21 years, it's just manifested through my entrepreneurial work. And that's the part that I love. And I'm, I'm happier, you know, and I'm, I have, a, you know, I can, I don't have to worry about evaluations. I don't have to worry about people coming in and saying, well, you're not teaching, you know, what you guys spend on in PLC. I have that freedom and I love it. And the kids and the feedback and the evaluation that I get from the students is letting me know that I'm, I'm serving the purpose that I'm supposed to. And I'm happy. The last five, six years, as an administrator doing discipline. And I'm the person that, that did his dissertate, dissertation study on the impact of mentoring on males. And one of the things I was uh, researching or discovered in which I knew, the more you suspend a student, the more likely you are to increase their chances of going uh, to jail. And here I am suspending people, you know, young men that look like me. I have to hold them accountable, but I also recognize I'm playing a part in those statistics. And so that those kind of things just weigh heavy on me. And now I'm in a position where it's not about the discipline. It's about enlightening young minds to grow wealth, build wealth, and be able to transfer generational wealth. Yeah, as I, again, you know, I've heard your story, I know your story, but it's just so, it's just so powerful. And I really appreciate the separation of, you know, passion versus, you know, chasing the dollar, you know, we hear it all the time. We talk about it all the time, but it really takes some, some discipline to actually say, okay, I'm going to do this. And of course, typically there's going to be an income. There's going to be a revenue stream attached to it, especially if we do it well, right. Or, and, and stay with it long enough. But initially, you know, when we're choosing um, these atypical paths, right. Doing our own thing, the, the high dollar uh, paycheck is not, typically, you know, attached to it at first. And and I would say that this is where the passive income really plays this role in your life, because now I can, I can create or set up a a trucking dispatching business, or I can let Shopify do the t-shirts while the majority of my time is focused on trying to get contracts and get into the schools or, or boys and girls clubs, while the passive income is bringing me money that, that can keep me balanced. So when I don't lock up a contract, I still got these other things. Again, my money is working for me. Your money should be working for you at all times. And again, if I'm going through this situation, now I'm able to not only um, live it, but now it makes it even more valuable when I can share these stories with the students. Love it, love it, love it. 
Dr. Dr. K, I, I saw I saw you in agreement a couple of times. Um, but let's 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 talk about first off if you want to respond to what to what Dr. Richard just shared. But um, I, I, you know, particularly because you you're specifically, you know, not specifically, but doc of health and wealth, right? So I want to talk about how um, we can approach mindfulness um, as we enter the warmer season, the warmer months, summertime. There's a thing, you know, called it ain't just a song, right? Summer madness. Um, people become restless, um, obsessed over personal problems when they have that time off or away from work. Um, we start feeling guilty with that time off. Like there's so much more I could be doing. Um, I'm being productive. Well, what say you, Dr. K? <laughs> Man, so many things to say. One, again, to Dr. Andres, just what he's doing, walking in purpose. I mean, you just, your heart skip beats when you are able to do that. You know, you're able to take all the gifts and talents that we've been given and monetize them. And that's exactly what you're doing. And, and that's just a joy to be able to hear when people finally get it you know, what we've been sent here for, and they're operating in that and impacting lives. So kudos to you guys both for just walking in purpose. Um, let's see, being mindful, you know, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he writes a lot of books about, or has written a lot of books about the power of now, like all of the problems that exist are either in the past or the future. And none of them are present. Like, like we are present here. Everything's good. You know, it may not be good in 10 minutes or may not have been good an hour ago, but all is well right now. And being mindful is, is really that being aware of our body, our mind and our feelings at this very present moment. And it's hard for us to do that because we're not even taught to do, we're not taught to do that. We get worked up about stuff that's going to happen or not going to happen, you know? And so just trying to practice that more so. Uh, and even when I deal with patients, clients, whomever, myself, my family, I'm constantly saying, what is happening now? What you're talking to me about is going to, you're thinking, you're getting anxious about something in the future. Focus on now, you know, like let's focus on now. Uh, so to the point of the summer madness and all of that, just if I could, you know, make suggestions to folks again, it's just, if you're, if it's beyond where you can walk or what you could do, and if it's not in this moment, try not to really deal with it, you know, uh, write it on the list and deal with it as things come. But we really, you know, we're only one person and we cannot, we can, but we can't, we pay for it later. That's why stress it's a good thing. We deal with stress every single day. We have uh, cortisone, which is a stress hormone. It's released every single day. But the problem becomes when it's prolonged, when it becomes chronic, when we're not managing that. And that is what I see in my work is that we have chronic stress. And then it's just exasperate the situation when we have existing medical conditions. It just becomes you know a flame of fire and, and all kinds of havoc happens so it's just important for us again to stay in the power of now there's power there and to prioritize the things that we're dealing with working on when we can and uh just to balance it out you know by going outside think people think oh, it costs me to be healthy well there's a cost of time or whatever but just earthing going in your front yard or your backyard, taking your shoes off and just getting connected to the earth and just getting the electrical charge. You know, um, what else? Uh, 
just so many things that we could do. Drink it's hydration, drinking enough water, half of our body weight in ounces. You know, that does the body good, just drinking water. You know, so those are just a couple of things, but and sleep, which is underrated. I talk to people all the time, they say, I'm good. Four hours of sleep, I'm good. Well, okay, you think you're good, <laughs> but you're not. Over time, your body is breaking down. That's at, at nighttime. That's where our cells are being replenished. That's where everything is being worked on to rejuvenate it for the next day. And so sleep, we should get six to eight hours of sleep, Mr. Sam, <laughs> as often as we can, because when we don't, that's when our hormones are actually reproducing as well. And so for every hour that we lack in sleep, our production of hormones is reduced as well. So that's why we have fatigue and crankiness and hair loss and so many other things. So anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. Sometimes I go off on a tangent. <laughs> uh, I hey, Sam, you, you, you know what? To kind of piggyback on Dr. K, you know, when I was in a situation where I think that we have to realize that our purpose can be bigger than where we're at. So I stayed in the school system, I, I probably say about four or five years longer than what I probably should have, but I stayed because of fear that I was stepping out of my purpose mm -hmm. and not being able to allow my mind to say, you know what, it, there's other things that I can do where I can still teach. Mm -hmm. But my, my view was like that linear thinking. It's huh? I have to stay in the school system. Right. And now I've been able to realize that I can still do what I love to do, but I can create the environment. I yeah. can say this is the environment. So, you know, it has to be, we have to be unafraid to say, you know what? Let me take a chance on myself. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, uh, again, that's a great point. And it's so true. We have to take a chance on ourselves and step outside of the box. For me, I worked in the clinics, you know, after graduating from medical school for a couple of years. And I realized, hey, I still want to heal people. I still want to help people. But I, it doesn't bring me joy going into the clinic every day, nine to five, doing chart notes, being dumped on in that capacity. And I said to God, like, here are the gifts and talents you've given me. How could I still reach the masses and serve? And so since 2020, I think, uh, end of it, I haven't gone into the clinic, yet I'm still using my gifts and talents. I'm happy because I'm not going, looking at a wall, being in a room, uh, doing paperwork, but I get to do exactly what brings me joy and still healing people. So there are so many ways to use our gifts without being confined. I realize I love the business side of clinics. I love writing side and the education side, and it just expands my reach to help more people versus one patient at a time. I got to see 10 patients a day, you know, like, no, physician, heal thyself, use your gifts in whatever capacity you desire, because there's so much out there for us to do with our gifts. And Dr. Awesome. K, I'm assuming that you probably are able to build better and stronger relationships with your clients now. One million percent. Because I, you know, insurance dictates if it's a new patient, you get 30 minutes. That's totality from the time they walk through the door, the vitals, etc. Uh, for a returning patient, 15 minutes. Well, how in the heck? Wow. 
do I, can I ascertain anything about you when you're coming in here, you have 30 medications. How can I figure out what's going on with you? Because that's what doctors really are investigators, scientists, researchers trying to figure out, okay, your symptoms, your medications, your history, putting it all together to figure out what a diagnosis is. So absolutely to your point, much more time, much better relationships and people feel hurt. They feel rushed when you're in the clinic because you got 50, literally less than 15 minutes and less than 30 minutes to hear everything they want to tell you. And so I see the outcomes of their conditions even improving because they feel hurt. They feel validated. You know, they feel that the doctor is present, not that I'm on a computer or on the phone or anything like that. I am here with you and I'm all yours. Let's find out what's happening with you and let's get you better. So thank you for saying that. They make you wait 45 minutes to see a doctor for 15 (laughs) yeah that is the truth yeah that's the truth and a lot of people especially black males they don't want to go to the clinic for that reason they don't want to sit and wait and they certainly don't want to hear the bad stuff that they think is going to be told to them you know so yeah I get that all the time. But people like to work or talk to you from the comfort of their homes, you know? They like to be able to feel comfortable. You're not comfortable in the clinic setting. A lot of people are not because they feel the white coat syndrome, you know? They just automatically clam up and feel stress and anxiety. Yeah. Absolutely. Dr. Barnes, let's hear from you, my brother. Talk about, you know, purpose, calling, mindfulness. Um, you know, I had to learn that, that um, there's a difference between labor and work. Say it again. Uh, there's a difference between labor and work, right? Um, I, I think there's individuals who live very laborious lives. They get up, they grind, um, it's a, a heavy lift. Um, but, you know, there's also individuals that, that, that work. And, and, and I think what we're, we have to be careful of is that we're not teaching individuals that work is bad. Work is good. Mm-hmm. Good work. Mm-hmm. Labor, right? If you're if you're going through labor, right, on a consistent basis, if you're being laborious, if your life is not fruitful, if it just feels like you're just putting bricks in a wall, and that's unless you enjoy that thing, right? Unless you're just running on a treadmill, unless you just enjoy the treadmill, right? You have to get something back from that, right? So um, what I see in our new newest generation is that kids don't want to work, mm-hmm. and 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 they that's a misnomer for, um, um, you know, that's not my dream, that's not my passion. Mm-hmm. Well, you 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 want to be a rapper? Oh, okay, talk to a rapper. Mm-hmm. I remember this one DJ, this one brother, uh, right here in Phoenix. I brought some kids to his studio. I had two guys who really wanted to rap, and he said, "This blew my mind." He said, "Okay, once you become a rapper, what's that look like?" Kids all said, you know, money in the air, yachts, this, that, this, that, that. He said, what you going to do when it's two o'clock in the morning and you want to go home and you can't? How many hours are you spending in the studio? How many hours are you working to put down these bars? And they, you know, they, they really, they, they would start, you could see it behind their eyes like, dang, this is like work. This is like, I got to really put something in on this. So we have to make sure that our students understand it's cool to chase your dream if you're really chasing it. Don't spend eight hours on the Xbox or the PS5 and be like, one day when I grow up, I'm going to the NFL. No, you need to flip that, get out there and run, right? Go do the work, right? And so we need to uh, really, one of the things that I think was bestowed on me very early in life is a work ethic, 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with work. There is something wrong when you're working three jobs and you're hardly paying the bills. Um, and, and you gotta make sure that you're investing the right thing. And the most powerful thing, something else that I was taught, you are your greatest investment. Because somebody will ask, you know, what's your biggest asset? And you'll say your house, right? You might say your 401, you might say, you know, your cars, your collections, all this and that. No, you are, you make the money. So if you don't take care of you, you're not gonna make any more money, take care of you. So yes, work, work. there's a difference between work and labor and I wish more folks would just understand that, that you gotta put the work in, it's okay to work. Don't burn yourself out. Take care of yourself. Know your own limits. Uh, you know, uh, I, won't, I won't lie. Six hours isn't always what I get, but that's why I'm bald, right? Right, Dr. K? Uh, <laughs> so that's why we all bald. All the brothers right here, bald as I don't get out because we, we don't get our six. <laughs> we, out to put, <laughs> we out here trying to put food on the table. Hey, hey. So listen, you know, keep, keep, keep working, you know, keep working, keep working, go after that dream, but you got to have to have a reward. It's got to feel good at the end of the day. Right. So yeah, that's, that's what I got. That's awesome. Get the bag as I call it and keep the balance. Yeah. <laughs> keep the balance. Right yeah. on. All right. Any, any, any party thoughts, uh, Dr. Risha? Well, wonderful first show. Um, man, we, we might need to figure out how we can do this more than once a month or maybe extend the time frame. But like, like Dr. K said, this, I, I like the energy of this. How how you feeling? Well, my parting words, you know, are basically I'm going to include some uh, some links for Dr. Barnes and Dr. K. You know, hopefully, Dr. Barnes, maybe we could talk about some summer programming, if if possible, or you know, set some things up for after school because I do that as well. Um, and Dr. K, you know, I appreciate your interest for the uh, the non traditional. Uh, health practices, because I think that that's important. Uh, one of the things, you know, when I asked you about the relationship, the reason why I knew is because I could connect it back to January 4th, I want to say 2021, we had just come back from winter break. And the principal says, all right, guys, the new norm is data. And it was at that moment right there, I said, you know what, I'm done. Because when I got into education, you know what the norm was? Relationship built. You know, it was principles were, hey, man, they didn't say this, but basically, like, we got these knuckleheads, we, we can't control them, we need help. I was like, I got you. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I do. Oh, and I get to teach math as well. So it was all about relationships. But now it's all about the data. And that really limits, you know, the ability to build relationships with students, because you're worried about are they blue, green, yellow, or red? Are they a bubble kid? You know, so we just have to get back to some some fundamentals. And, you know, yes, we are advancing as a society with technology and communication, but there's still that core of caring for people, respect, teaching young people respect, teaching them, you know, like you say, Dr. Barnes, how to work, how to go get it. But at the same time, being mindful, being present, you know, I have mentoring programs where I teach young people how to journal. You know, always start with what you're what you're grateful for. Then, you know, transition to, you know, what are you going to do today? And, you know, affirm yourself. You know, don't be afraid to say, I am great. Believe it. And, uh, you know, just continue to process and grow and get better. Right on. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Uh, Dr. Barnes, parting words, parting thoughts. <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I'll start, I'll, I'll end where we began. It takes a tribe. Right. And, and, and we still need that tribe to be developed. So, um, you know, 
this is great to have have an opportunity to to, to work together virtually. Um, you know, I, I know what we need is is more individuals like ourselves um, to find a focus and to keep moving, and not to only keep moving when bad things happen to us. Uh, we need a we need a, and I said this on the show. We're quick to rally in March, but when we ain't rallying in March, then we ain't rioting. I don't know. I don't know. Where are we during the good times? Uh, and not saying these are good times, but they're better than the worst times. Uh, yeah. So now, now is the time we need to step back and start talking about how we can move forward. Um, yeah. And so uh, hopefully we'll get more of us united, keep moving forward. I appreciate you all for having this opportunity. Uh, looking forward to I'm, I'm seeing information coming out there. So you guys will get my information real soon. And uh, blessings to you all and anybody else who's watching the show. Um, thank you, Dr. Barnes. <clears throat> Dr. K, Dr. Keisha, Dr. Tate. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a joy, really. I wasn't sure you know, what to expect, and I'm so happy. It was way more than I could have imagined uh, just being in this presence, and I certainly would like to connect with you guys uh, regarding your school. I, I love children. I believe that's where the foundation is laid you know, for greatness. Uh, I would have no problem coming up there, you know, having, you know, meetings with the kids, talk, mentoring or whatever you need. I love to see, you know, superintendents and head of schools and principals as people of color. We don't see enough of them. When I was going to uh, doing my prereqs for medical school, I became a substitute teacher in the Chandler School District. And one of the kids came up to me, a black girl. She's like, I don't I've never seen a black teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, what? Are you serious? Like, I, I didn't understand. I was like, I never even thought to ask my daughters that. And then when I went to the high school, um, Chandler High, one of the Black teachers said, I've never seen a Black teacher outside of myself and my mom, who's a teacher. I was like, really? Like, I didn't realize there's a shortage, but there is. So anyway, if you ever need a Black face in your building. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm not interested in teaching daily, uh, but I like working from the beach. <laughs> like, hey, 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 did you see the exit plan? Exit plan real quick. She was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying that. I say I'll walk through that boy, but I ain't going to stay. <laughs> Let's be clear. I will certainly walk up, show up, but no, yeah, I don't want to yeah. stay every No, day. I'll take it. I'll take all that though. I'll take what you got. Thank you. And uh, to Dr. Andres, I, I certainly I actually have a company in mind that really, I believe, would be a great fit for you to build wealth uh, and to help other young people to build wealth. So I definitely want to partner with you. Sam, I think this is something that you need to continue. I don't know if this is the first, but I think there's something here, uh, whether it's a book, whether it's a road show. Uh, but I feel that this is not the end of discussions like this. Uh, I see, you know, monetization uh, attached to this. Uh, health and wealth. <laughs> yes, you know, that's right. I, I really do. So I, I could, I just feel so much from this, you know. Um, I could even see a, a book from different perspectives uh, from whether it's this group here or, you know, a group like this. But I think this is a start of really a something uh, beyond what you even imagined, actually. I have um, a publishing company as well. Oh, see? <laughs> no, I, I feel it. I, this something is, yeah, this is, can you imagine? I mean, just Sam, you narrating like a kind of a conversation and turning this into something that kids can really 
bite on, take pieces from, you know, and it's in the black and brown community. I mean, just road shows, sitting in front of kids, allowing them to ask us questions, being very transparent, you know, because they think people, oh, you're perfect. You know, like nothing happened to you. Like, no, a whole lot. If you are sitting, if your name of anything is before or after your name, you've been through something. If you're 30 something or 40 something, you've been through something. You have some experiences. You didn't just get here haphazardly. You put in the work uh, to Dr. George's point. So anyway, I can go on. I'm just excited. My heart is like, I love spaces like this for sure. Um, and I learned so much as well. So parting words, balancing act, you know, add you to the calendar. You are your greatest asset. When Dr. George said that, that's what I say all the time. You know, we have a tempo yet we spend, this is our only tempo we get, but I bet if you have a car, you got the fattest rims on there, the best tires, you know, exterior. If you're a girl, you got the flyest lashes, mink lashes, the best hair. But when I talk to you about what foods you're consuming, if you're eating real food or crappy food or artificial, you know, like fast food crap, that's not even, it shouldn't have the label of food because it's not food, right? <laughs> food is fuel. You know, I used to say to people years ago, we had a trucking company and they required diesel energy fuel. Well, certainly we could put gasoline in a diesel truck. Will it run? Probably, but over time, guaranteed, it's going to break down. That engine, that motor, it is going to break down because it's not the proper fuel for the said vehicle. Same way with our bodies. Every day we put stuff in there and it tells us artificial flavoring, artificial coloring, words that we cannot even pronounce on the back of it. But yet we wonder when we have sickness and disease, how did I get this? Well, you've been eating fake stuff your whole life. <laughs> how, did, how did you not think you're going to get a disease? You know, that is why. So anyway, you didn't ask me that, but parting words, <laughs> balance, add yourself to the calendar every single day, whether it's for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, do whatever it is that makes you happy. Do some grounding and earthing, things that doesn't even don't cost you anything. Absolutely drink half of your body weight in ounces. Get some sleep, six to eight ounces. I mean, six to eight hours, whether or not you think you need it or not. Your body told me to tell you your cells would really appreciate it if you allow them to rest so they can be the best for you. And uh, just walk in purpose, you know, find out what God sent you here to do. And just use your gifts and talents and you'll find your lane, what you're supposed to do, whether that's working a nine to five or building a business or doing both of them. Just find out sooner than later what you have been charged to do in this universe, because it doesn't matter if you get paid for it or not, which you will, uh, because I believe that purpose produces profits, you know, like and your passion, your perfect purpose, it produces profits. You don't have to go chasing the money. Dr. Andres is a perfect example. Once he realized, hey, I got all these gifts and talents and I don't have to show up the way I've been showing up for 21 years. I can monetize all this. He's going to continue to develop 20 streams of income from his very gifts that he's had. So anyway, thank you guys so much for this time. I appreciate it. Hopefully I'll be invited back. Hopefully I didn't talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know how we do, Dr. K. Um, appreciate everybody that that's our time. I don't want to go too much long on the initial uh, uh, episode, but we will definitely follow up. I, I got y'all's contact.
Everybody Thank take you guys care. Thank so much. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy this day. Go do something for yourself. <laughs> Bye, Sam.